Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Father-Son Packers podcast, your source for Packers news, notes, and analysis. My name is Tommy, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, my dad, Matt. Dad, how are you doing? Doing all right. I got my microphone turned on just in the nick of time for my cue, so I'm ready to go. It's a yes. Thursday night, and I'm already performing better than the LA Chargers. Yes, If anybody exactly. watched that game. Yes, the, we are here recording to you on a Thursday night, right after Thursday night football is over. We actually called it a little early because, you know, the game, uh, it looked a little out of hand. Some might say, might might say, uh, you know, the victory cigar was lit. Uh, the old fat lady was singing. That game might For have been For all of done. you, any time. Chargers fans who are out out there listening to this podcast, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's Maybe. tough. Because we were just Sorry talking for what about you it. had to witness. Not even when the Broncos gave up 70 to the Dolphins did they give up 42 points in the first half. I mean, that game, 42 nothing in the first half, 63-21 to 21 in the end. We were just joking. It was like, hey, at least they played them to a tie in the second half. But no, that was rough. Hopefully, though, it goes better for the Packers this weekend because, Dad, we are here to preview the Packers' upcoming matchup on Sunday against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, lots of stuff to talk about in this one. Lots of stuff that we're excited to preview. Um, yeah, this is a big game for the Packers because, you know, after dropping that one on Monday against the Giants in a game that we're not going to talk about anymore, this is a uh, pretty much, you know, arguably a must win for the Packers playoff chances. Maybe not exactly, but it's kind of getting down to it. Four games left. They really need to go three and one over the last four and ideally four and oh. Um, but we're going to talk all about what's coming up in this game in particular. We're not going to get ahead of ourselves with those other games. Let's take it one game at a time. But before we do, just wanted to pitch a couple of things. If you like what you hear today, come give us a follow on Twitter at Father Son Packer. We tweet out when we have new episodes, stats that we find interesting when we're researching for these episodes, articles we find interesting, videos we find interesting, pieces of Packers news, etc., etc., etc. So, you know, one-stop shopping for everything Titletown. Come give us a follow. Once again, that's at Father Son Packer. And then subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice, whether that's Apple, Google, Spotify. We even put all our episodes out on YouTube as well. If you want to subscribe to us there, it would really help our numbers and, you know, help with the algorithm. So, yeah, like, subscribe, follow us on Twitter. The works. But, Dad, let's get into this game. Um, let's start talking about the injury report. Like we said, we are uh, recording Thursday night. Uh, so we don't have the full designations yet, but we do have practice reports for Wednesday and Thursday. A bit of a technical note, though, uh, neither team did actually practice on Wednesday. Uh, the Packers did not hold the practice and the Buccaneers held a walkthrough. So any Wednesday practice uh, designation or designations or participation statuses are estimations for both teams. Dad, are you ready for this laundry list for actually both teams in this one? Would there Could there possibly be anything else? That's a good point. It is it is getting down to, you know, week 15. Th- we've had double-digit players on our injury report, I think. I don't know how many weeks in a row now. Oh, it, but it's we've, been a it's while. It's got to be at least like eight weeks in a row, it feels like, right? I mean, since since the bye. Because I remember coming out of the bye, we were talking about, how are we more injured <laughs> we have after more the bye? players on the injured list after having a week off. Yeah. Yeah. And it seems like we're just, we're not getting as many back as we're losing, we'll say. Um, but, Dad, let's start with the Packers side of the injury report. And I'll just go from the top. Um, Jair Alexander was limited Thursday. I'm just going to read out the Thursday designations because we established Wednesdays were, you know, just estimations. So I think the Thursday is better knowledge. Jair Alexander limited Thursday with a shoulder injury. Same one that has kept him out the last five games. Hopefully maybe the Packers will have him back this weekend. AJ Dillon did not participate Thursday with a thumb injury. And we learned after practice that he actually has a broken thumb dad, uh, happened at the end of last game. Apparently they're trying to find a way to have him play. I'm very skeptical about that. 
but I guess yeah. we will see. And Stenovich said something like, well, we're trying to figure out if he can grip the ball. He can hold the ball run one-handed, right? He might have a little trouble catching it, though. That's that's just insane to me. It's like, okay, so the other team knows if you put him in that you're not going to throw the ball. Because yeah, it it's not, is, he's not, I don't, not yeah, going to work very well as either a pass catcher or a decoy. And, like, can you block with – I guess he'd have a club on? I, <laughs> I don't know. It, it's more questions than answers at that one for me, but I would be very surprised if he plays – um, Kingsley Anigbare, toe injury limited on Thursday. Elton Jenkins was a DNP, did not participate in practice on Thursday with a shoulder injury, but it is worth noting. He also did not participate in practice last week on Thursday. So could just be another case of, you know, giving him some vet rest, which is what they did last week. Last week, uh, LaFleur said they were just being cautious with him. Um, Aaron Jones with that knee injury was limited on Thursday. Hopefully they'll be able to have him back this weekend. Cause if they don't have him, or A.J. Dillon, be pretty much down to just Patrick Taylor and Kenyon Drake, which is not exactly where you want to be right now. Keyshawn Nixon with a quad injury was limited on Thursday. Jonathan Owens with a knee injury was limited on Thursday. Jaden Reed with an ankle injury was limited on Thursday. And, Dad, that's one important one to note because initially coming out of Monday's game, he was in concussion protocol, and that was something that we were nervous about going into this weekend about not having him. However, the fact that yeah, he's... So- List, I was going to say just the fact that he's just listed with that ankle, not in concussion protocol. And he actually mentioned after practice, I believe, yesterday that he expects to be ready to go on Sunday, which is a great development for the Packers because they were going to be really thin on offense without him. Yeah, and plus the fact that he can also handle some of the rushing duties. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, so that he escaped apparently without a concussion. So you're saying you want good news. more Jaden Reed end arounds. Is what you're saying. That's that seems to be what you're asking for. Is a few more. Not every not every Jaden Reed rushing play has to be an end around or a you double reverse. That. You say that, but kind of we need yeah, more I, reverses. We need triple or quadruple reverses. I mean, I don't want him running between the tackles. If that's what you're implying, I'm going to pass on that. <laughs> he's one. had a couple where he's like gone like off tackle or like just inside yeah. of the tight end. As Either well. way, not just always wide. Yes, but he is an important piece for this offense. Um, Darnell Savage, shoulder injury, did not participate in practice on Thursday. TJ Slayton, quad, limited. Um, Eric Stokes is a full participant, and again, still coming back from the IR with that hamstring injury. They do need to activate him to the roster by the 18th, so this would be the game he is back for if he's going to be back at all this year. So that's something to keep an eye on. And I think with the uh, uh, cutting of Caillou Blue Kelly uh, that we talked about in Monday's podcast, it does kind of set up bringing Stokes back in this game, I would imagine. Um, beyond that, Quay Walker, shoulder injury that he did not play in the last game, was a limited participant on Thursday, so it seems like maybe he's going to be ready to come back uh, by this weekend. Christian Watson, That's more than last week, I think, where he was DNZ exactly. by, by this same point last, last week. Exactly. Christian Watson still not participating in practice with that hamstring injury, most likely not going to be ready for Sunday. And then Dontavian Wicks, uh, ankle injury. We were concerned about this because... Um, I think it was Helmbrecht, uh, the reporter, um, spoke with him after the game on Monday, and he said his ankle was, quote, effed up, uh, and they were worried about, you know, a high ankle injury, and those can be multi-week injuries. The fact that he's already back at practice is another really good development for the Packers. Um, Dad, anything else on the yeah. Packers injury report? Because that's that's it in its entirety. I was expecting, like, a three- or four-week um, injury for Wicks when he taught, when, based on his interview. So the fact that he's already on the field is more than I hoped for. And Reed, I was expecting with a slightly short week that he wouldn't be able to clear concussion protocol. So the fact that he doesn't have one 
yeah, is definitely a blessing right reason. there for the Packers. And, and some people and some players are trending better. Um, at least you know uh, Quay Walker, and some of the players who've had injuries um, this week. I think they had some of the some had the same injuries last week and they played. Yeah. So I yeah no it's it's definitely seems to be a clean ish relative <laughs> to the Packers standards report. You know, a lot of names, but a lot of guys yeah. that we kind of expect to be able to play. Hopefully, yeah. fingers I, crossed. I think, like, Watson, I don't think we expect to play. Wicks, I still don't think he's going to no. play, even if he's been limited. Jair is a mystery. I think that's 50-50. Yeah. And I expect Stokes to be activated, seeing as he was full all last week and full this week. Yeah, and this no. is the, the 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 deadline for them to activate him. And if he's practicing in full for the last two weeks. I expect him to be activated rather than shut down for the year. Yeah, and they opened a roster spot, presumably for him. I would be surprised if he does not play. Buccaneers side of the injury report, Dad. Carlton Davis, one of their starting corners, uh, did not participate in practice on Thursday with a groin injury. Jamel Dean, uh, their other starting corner, uh, was a full participant in practice on Thursday, but he is carrying an ankle-slash-foot injury. Will Golston, one of their D-linemen, knee and ankle injuries, did not participate on Thursday. Chris Godwin, one of their top two wide receivers with a knee injury, did not participate on Thursday. Ryan Neal, one of their safeties with a back injury, did not participate on Thursday. Um, Zach Triner, their long snapper, did not participate in practice on Thursday with an elbow injury. And they have actually signed one to the practice squad this week. But, you know, that does kind of bring into question how that operation is going to look. And if this ends up being a tight game, I think that's something to keep an eye on, is that they're going to be with a backup long snapper, it looks like that. And as you say, there just don't seem to be that many people in the world who could do this job. No, there are not. So, you know, if they want to mess up a few snaps on some kicks, I'm not going to stop them. Um, and then beyond you're that... Not gonna, you're not going to run out there in the middle of the field and uh, make, make sure that ball gets um, delivered to the puncher. No, no, I'm not, not going to say, oh, you can you can have a redo, actually. I, we know you're on your backup long snapper. We'll give you another try at it. Uh, no, and then... Um, just Devin, wouldn't be sporting. Exactly. I'm going to snap. I'm going I'm to do it left-handed. Devin White, linebacker, full participant on Thursday. And then Vita Vea, nose tackle. Uh, we know him well as someone who has shut down our run game several times in the past. Uh, with a toe injury, though, has not participated in practice this week and also did not play in the game last week. So that's kind of, you know, seems like someone who's maybe not trending to play, Dad. Dad, any thoughts on that Tampa side of the injury report, which is, you know, arguably worse than the Packers? Yeah, so some players are moving in the right direction, like um, Devin White and Jamel Dean. I think Vita Vea is going to be a big one to keep an eye on. Yes, 100%. Literally and figuratively. I know, right? But if he if he practices... <laughs> cue, if, cue in the Beverly Hills cop out-of-control truck scene from the beginning of the movie. Did you That's see they're like, making a new one? Side track, no, I did they, not. They just put the trailer out for a new one. It's still Eddie Murphy. It's It could be good. But either way, back to football. Um, yeah, pretty lengthy. Injury we weren't talking report. about football. I know, right? Pretty lengthy injury report for Tampa in this one. Um, Vita Vea is definitely the one to watch for. I agree. If he doesn't practice on Friday, I think he'd be hard pressed to be ready by Sunday, especially after it kept him out last week too. But dad, do you want to move on to the meat of our game preview? Or is there anything else on the injury report that you wanted to touch on? I think it's time to go on to the game preview. Okay. Game preview. A uh, little quick facts for this one. The game kicks off at noon central in Lambeau with a high of 41 degrees for this game. Green Bay is favored by three and a half with an over under of 42 points for an implied score of 23 to 19. Three and a half at home means, you know, neutral field. The Vegas seems to think these teams are pretty even. So something to keep in mind there. And then keeping up with the Joneses. We're not talking about Aaron and Caleb. 
Uh, this is, you know, talking a little bit about what's been going on for Tampa. They are six and seven this year, currently in a three-way tie for the lead in the NFC South. Yes, you heard that right. Below 500 gets you in the lead in the NFC South. Must be nice. Um, they currently actually hold the tiebreaker, though, over the Falcons and Saints, coming off a big win against the Falcons last week. So they are currently leading the NFC South. Uh, on the season, they are 20th in points per drive on offense. For reference, Green Bay is 12th. 15th in points per drive allowed on defense. Green Bay is 20th for reference. And then by DVOA per FTN Fantasy, which takes into account the strength of the opponent, they are 21st in offense, 18th in passing, and 26th in rushing, and 17th in defense, 18th against the pass, and 16th against the run. And then they are 19th in special teams. Dad, any thoughts on those general ones, or should we get into, you know, our opinions on some of the stuff coming from this game? Um, Not too many thoughts, but generally this is, looks like the profile of a mid-level team as they're six and seven record would indicate yeah and i i think this is going to be a close game because i think both teams you know playing for a lot right now tampa is playing for hold their spot at the top of the nfc south and or a wild card spot if they get knocked off that perch and the packers are playing for their playoff lives as well after dropping a stinker to the giants on the road on monday night football in primetime so so much for having that feeling of oh we got a little leeway nope not today but dad let's move on to your favorite section Hey now, play nice, where we say some nice things about the opponent, some things that we think the other team is good at. You always struggle with this one, but lead us off, Dad. What are some things that Tampa is good at? Well, you know, you can't struggle with uh, giving credit to a guy named Evans. That's a good point. That's a very good point. Mike Evans has been kicking some ass this year. Yeah, the pass catchers in particular, Mike Evans, 10th in the league in in yards, I'm receiving yards at uh, 1,020, and second in receiving touchdowns with 10. He's the first player, I believe, I think I have this right, first player in NFL history to have 1,000 yards receiving or or more in each of his first 10 seasons. That's and I think he's only like the third stat. person ever to have 10 years. Um, and he's done it with every year of his career. Yep. And he doesn't seem to be slowing down. You know, he, He's averaging the third most yards per catch of his career at 16.5 yards per catch. And the most he's had since 2019 when he had 17.3. He's very secure with the ball. He hasn't fumbled in the last five years, despite having 350 catches in that time. By PFF, he's the 14th rated receiver. He lines up mostly wide, but also a decent amount in the slot, a quarter of the time in the slot, three quarters out wide. So he can do damage all over the field. Um, And he does a lot of his damage downfield. He's third in the league in average depth of target among wide receivers with at least 50 targets, behind only Christian Watson and DeAndre Hopkins. Nice to see Watson in there. That's that's a fun yeah. one. Um, yeah, so he's. The, I think Watson is number one um, receivers who had at least 50 targets. For comparison, his teammate, Chris Godwin, is more of their intermediate threat with an average depth of target of only 10.6 yards. So nice. Evans is really, you know, and he's been doing, I think, his whole career. I didn't go back and look at his previous years, but um, downfield targets has been kind of his uh, M.O. He's also an avid Harry Potter fan. Did you know this? Have you seen this I video? I did not know this. They no. did like a trivia of, of like him for Harry Potter. And it was like really in depth. I was like, I was like, I don't know a lot of these. Oh, like, like, this is like pretty niche. Pure, you know, muggles who appear in one scene kind it, of uh, I ne- trivia. I don't, rem- I don't remember the questions off the top of my head, but they were like, it was not easy. It wasn't like, oh, name the four houses or like what house is like Harry in. No, it was like. Who is the some... backup bludger on Hufflepuff? In no, it was like, what is year the, three or something? What is the main ingredient in polyjuice potion? And he like knew it. 
It was like, the main okay. ingredient. Oh, goodness. I yeah, guess it's, it's not, a, you know, hair. <laughs> I think that was the answer they were looking for. And he gave like the actual, I think like, like actual, like whatever the, the, the act, by, by volume, what's the most, what's the main uh, ingredient? It was, it was like <laughs> weird. So, they, it was like, oh, wait a minute. I got to check. Oh, you're right. No, it, you sh- I'll, send, I'll send you the video after this. Um, for me, though, the thing that I found impressive about the Buccaneers is their offensive tackles. Um, Tristan Wirfs, uh, who you know has been a star right tackle in this league for a long time, is now their starting left tackle. Um, he is the eighth highest graded left tackle in the league per PFF, and that's in his first year at left tackle, so that's impressive. And then Luke Gedeke, uh, their right tackle, is the 11th highest graded right tackle, and this is amongst tackles playing at least 50% of snaps on the year. Um, so, you know, borderline top 10 tackle at or top 10 left tackle and top 10 right tackle. Very impressive. Their tackle room as a whole. So including, you know, snaps played by backups for all teams. And this is, I'm just comparing team by team, um, has allowed the fourth lowest pressure rate among tackle rooms in the league and the ninth lowest sack rate amongst tackles, uh, tackle rooms in the league. They are penalized a bit is the one drawback they have. They are the eighth most penalized tackle room in the league, but I would say that is worth the trade-off for a group that, you know, doesn't let the opponent get to the passer very often. I cannot let this slide without making a comment of, oh, you can't say something nice without throwing some shade, like you ah, always say I do. That's fair, you know. <laughs> I, I, I'll take that. I'll take that. I do usually be like, whenever you put a caveat, I do make fun of you for putting a caveat in the less play nice section. I just but, could not let that slide. That's fair. That's fair. But, you know, yes, their tackle room is quite impressive. You know, Tristan Wirfs has been doing it for a long time. He's best on either side. Like, you can play, play either side. It's very impressive. Um, but Dad, let's move on to the next section, which is I'm nervous about blank. And this is some things where it's like specific ways that the Buccaneers are good at something where the Packers are maybe not as good at something or ways that we think that the game could maybe tip the other way. What did you have in this one? So mine's kind of related to what their strength is. And I often end up going this way. So explosive pass plays by the Buccaneers, which in particular means explosive pa- pass plays to Mike Evans. So he's 15th in PFF grade on passes over 20 yards. And the Packers have not been good at preventing explosive plays this year, ranking 25th by DVOA in defending the deep part of the field. And by other measures, um, Green Bay is also 22nd on D in explosive pass rate allowed, defining those um, as the rate of passes of at least 20 yards. This is work that you did. And in comparison... Tampa Bay is 13th on offense in explosive pass rate. So it's a, stri- a kind of a strength of theirs, but a definitely a weakness of the Packers. Yes, uh, 100%. And, you know, we kind of knew that a bit coming into the year with the safety room that we had, that there would be times where we got beat over the top or, you know, got beat because we couldn't tackle in the middle of the field. So this isn't just like air yards, 20 yards, 20 yards at all. But you know, yeah, I, I do worry a bit about that, especially with how well we've seen uh, uh, Mike Evans, I almost said Matt Evans, uh, Mike Evans attack down the field this year. Uh, I think it is something certainly. To I be don't a think I'd be getting too many. I'd be catching too many passes, uh, gaining 20 yards. Well, never say against never. any NFL defense. But for me, the thing that I am a bit nervous in besides that, because I think that's a very good point, is Rashad White. They're running back in the passing game. Uh, currently this year, these numbers are per FTN. He has the third most receiving yards in the league amongst running backs. He has the fifth most receptions in the league amongst running backs. And he is second in the league in yards after catch amongst running backs at 10.3 yards after the catch per reception. 
uh, per FTN, which Man, is that's high. quite a lot. I am surprised that is second is all I'm going to say. Um, and Who's the Packers, first? I believe it was Christian McCaffrey, if I remember correctly. Oh. Um, and the Packers have actually improved against running backs as the season has gone on. Uh, through week seven, uh, per footballdb.com, they were allowing the fifth most receiving yards per game to running backs. Um, but now they are up to 16th. Uh, so they're more middle of the pack. So they have made some improvements recently to that. So it's not as big of a weakness as it was earlier in the year. Um, and they are 15th by DVOA against running backs as receivers. At the same time, though, it does still make me nervous because it's not like we're the greatest tackling team. It's not like our linebackers are the greatest in coverage. It's not like our safeties are the greatest in coverage. And, you know, I'm just, it, it does worry me a little bit with how proficient Rashad White has been. And also when you have a running back that's that good as a receiver, it turns possible negative plays for the defense in terms of, you know, a sack pressure into substantially positive plays for the offense on dump offs. And, you know, Baker Mayfield will check down. He, he really will. Um, but dad, let's move on to our next section. Uh, exploitable weaknesses of the Buccaneers. Let's talk a little bit about some places where the Packers might be able to get a leg up. What do you have? So for me, it's that Tampa has been bad in coverage um, for the year. And anybody who plays a lot of fantasy football will know like, oh, you want to target the Tampa Bay uh, secondary with your receivers. But by PFF grade, they're sixth worst in the league. They're top five cornerbacks. So by snap, by snap count, and then compare them to the rest of the league for PFF coverage grade. They are 51st, 76th, 83rd, 101st, and 119th. Not a one of them who are in the like the, the, the top 32. And keep in mind that one of those starting corners has not practiced this week. So they're going to be down a tier right there. That's Carlton Davis, who has not practiced this week. Yeah, so then beyond that, Jamel Dean has been this kind of their stalwart, I think, for a while. And this is by far the worst year of his career in, in PFF coverage grade at 61. And his previous low was only 75. The best coverage they have in their defense is, as um, for a defensive back, is safety Antoine Winfield. Yes. With a very good 85 PFF grade, primarily lining up its free safety. But their other main safety, Ryan Neal, has given up a perfect passer rating into his coverage. So yeah. throw, it, throw, it, throw it at that guy. And, well, you might not even have chance to because we talked a little bit. Ryan Neal also has not practiced this week. So they might this be down to safety who... there again. And so, and they're 28th in dropback drop back EPA per play on the season on defense. And by DVOA, they're bad against both wide receiver ones and wide receiver threes at 23rd and 29th in the league against those two. They're better against wide receiver twos. Forget the actual number, but it was it was actually pretty good. Um, they're also, by DVOA, they're better in coverage in the short part of the field than deep. And, the, and particularly in the deep middle of the field, they're 24th in the league. So if you think that short part of the um, field, maybe they're um, the linebackers they have, who have been good for quite a number of years. Yes, that's Levante David and Devin White have been good. Quite the dynamic duo for quite a number of years. For me, the thing that I think the Packers are going to be able to attack is this interior offensive line of Tampa is pretty soft. I know we talked really glowingly about their tackles in this one, but their interior O-line of Stinney, Hainsey, and Mock, those are their starters, all grayed out average or below average per PFF. Each of them has given up double-digit pressures on the league, and Mock in particular, their starting right guard, leads the league amongst interior linemen in pressures allowed and is second in sacks allowed. 
Amongst all interior line groups, including backups, they are tied for the 12th most penalties in the league. They are ninth in terms of highest pressure rate allowed, uh, eighth most total pressures, and 12th highest sack rate allowed, 13th most total sacks per PFF. So that interior O-line is a weakness for them. Um, it is something that I believe Kenny Clark should really be able to take advantage of, given the tear that he's been on. I think Devontae Wyatt coming off of a, you know, I think a strong game, but maybe you didn't, people didn't really notice it because he didn't get home, but he had a pretty strong game against the Giants. Uh, you just wish he could have maybe finished a couple of those pressures. I think he is set up for a decent game. And I think there was room for, you know, the Packers to kind of dominate that interior if they play well and if they're able to expose those mismatches there. Dad, anything else you wanted to say about some weaknesses of the Buccaneers, or should we move on to how we hope the Packers attack the Buccaneers? Let's go on to uh, how they attack. I mean, the weaknesses, uh, some of it, I was tempted to put in some similar stuff to, that you had about their interior offensive line and setting up for um, Kenny Clark in particular, but I have something different in terms of the approach anyway, and that is how they, um, their defensive alignment or um, how they allocate allocate resources to defending the pass. Particularly, I think they should keep a safety over the top of Evans on almost all plays because despite Evans being so good downfield that we talked about, Baker Mayfield is still only 31st in, in PFF grade on throws over 20 yards. So basically all of their, it seems like, most of their downfield excess as a as a, an offense can be attributed almost entirely to Mike Evans. They haven't had success throwing downfield otherwise, and their other wide receivers, you know, have Evans is like in the top um, fourteen or twelve or somewhere. Their other main wide receivers are eighty second and ninety second in PNF, PFF grades on throws over twenty yards. So he is the guy you got to watch deep. So you really should have one of the safeties over the top to. Um, help on covering Evans this is the way I'd see it. Anyway, I don't know if what Barry's going to do, but I, I don't know if Barry knows what Barry is going to do, to be honest. So I, man, he, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's something. But anyway, for me, what I hope the Packers do in this one is let Jordan love throw downfield. Now, this is not the first time that I've said this this year, uh, but what we talked about earlier this week when we were breaking down that giants game, and I know we said we were never going to bring that game up again, um, but in that game, Jordan Love had his lowest average depth of target of the year at just 6.6 yards and the second lowest percentage of throws beyond 10 yards for this season. So, you know, no, per, uh, number of throws uh, attempted beyond 10 yards over total number of throws. We previously said that that was the lowest since week five against the Broncos. Uh, we realized when we were editing that it was actually week five against the Raiders. Uh, we misspoke as to who the opponent was. But it was still his lowest average depth of, or sorry, lowest percentage of throws past 10 yards uh, of any game except for the game against the Raiders. And that was, I think, his worst start. And the Giants game was probably his third worst starts. One of his one of his worst starts. So I think moral of the story, he plays better when you let him throw downfield. I think as what we know about Jordan Love at this point is you need to let him rip it downfield. We've seen when you dink and dunk it and don't let him kind of let loose. I think he maybe tightens up a little bit. So just, you know, let the man throw downfield is what I hope the Packers do in this one, because like we talked about, their coverage grades are not great. And so there is there is some opportunity there, I think. And I think it just suits his play style better when he's playing a little more free, able to attack downfield, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And they say they're trying they they're trying to coach him to just let it rip and not not sort of think it too much or try to 
be too light with a touch and, and kind of barely put it in there, but to sling it downfield. So I think going deep probably gets him into more of a rhythm to sling it around the yard. A hundred percent. Yes. Um, but dad, let's move on to our next section, which is don't take your eye off that guy. These are players that we think are either going to be standouts in the game, players whose performance will really swing the result one way or another, or just players to keep an eye on. But dad, who did you have in this one? So I went with Shaq Barrett. We've run into him before. Yes, we have. Um, he, he leads the team in pressures, and he leads their defensive front in pass rush grade, according to PFF, and is third of the team in sacks. This is another t- tough test for the tackles um, against an edge rusher who has wrecked us in the past. And he lines up on both sides, a little bit more on the left than on the right, but it's a lot more like uh, 60-40. And so both um, Zach Tom and um, Walker or Nyman, whoever lines up on the left, will be tested. Yeah, and I think when it's someone who splits time pretty evenly, my thought is they're going to put him on the left tackle side a lot more, given the fact that, you know, Zach Tom is having quite the year this year. I believe I read a tweet by PFF that they have him as their third best right tackle on the season in terms of just overall PFF grade. He's really putting together a strong year and looks like the right tackle of the future here in Green Bay. And who knows, maybe even the left tackle of the future. I think I think the That's world possible. Is, is his oyster. I think he we'll see where he ends up playing next year. And if they want to just keep him at right tackle, that's fine by me too. Especially with the fact that, you know, I think Josh Myers is quietly putting together a pretty decent season. I know he's he struggled a lot early in the year, but I think the past like four or five weeks, he's he's been pretty solid. Um, for me, though, the player to watch is Quay Walker, if he plays. And if he doesn't, Devondre Campbell. Um, because I am, like I said, nervous about the running back, specifically Rashad White in the past game. And I think if they can't contain him, oh, and it's going to be on the linebackers, I believe, to do a lot of that containing. So I think it's going to be a lot of walkers streaking sideline to sideline if he plays or Campbell. And I think if they don't tackle well, or if they're out of position, or if they let him get loose, it could be a long day for Green Bay, especially with that average of 10 yards after catch per reception. I mean, my goodness, that's kind of disgusting, honestly. Yeah, but de- so I think they're going to have to keep discipline, get off blocks, don't over-pursue. All the good stuff. All the good stuff. But, Dad, let's all move the, on. All the, all the vegetables. All the vegetables, which I, the Packers defense hates vegetables, is what we've established. Because everyone every year, they're like, oh, the run defense. Ooh, candy. Like, <laughs> well, they talk about it every year. They're like, oh, the run defense. So you got to eat your vegetables on early downs. Like, okay, so... We've established you hate vegetables is all we've established over the years. But uh, no, Dad, let's move on to overtime. These are some things that we you know, found in our research that we found interesting, but didn't necessarily fit into one of our previous boxes. What did you have here? So the, the Bucks run defense, we're used to it being like real, one of the best in the league, but not yeah. nearly as strong this year as they have in previous years. Only 31st by PFF. Um, DVOA has a very different at 16, but still much different from being like one of the top two or three. Um, and over the last five weeks, um, by our BSDM, they're 31st in rush success rate against. So they're not playing well and they're trending poorly as the season has gone on. And they might not so, have Vita Vea. And they might so, not have Vita Vea. And who has missed a couple weeks, I think, and maybe, you know, correlated with their recent struggles. But yeah. if Packers can run on Tampa Bay, I think they'll be able to control the game. Um, 
most games and, when they, even though most games one, they haven't had much success. Well, this is one where I'm a you know it op- it like seems like it's like man you know if Vitave is not playing and the Tampa's been playing poorly against the runs like oh being able to run the ball in this game would be huge, and then you might not have any running backs, so that's not great. Yeah. Uh, so so as, as my other little note here is I'll be really keeping an eye on whether or not Aaron Jones and Vitave are active. Yeah, I, I've kind of you know waved the white flag on AJ Dillon playing this weekend. I think it's ridiculous the the adam stenovich oh he can just carry it in one arm is the most silly thing i've ever heard in my life do not make this man play with a broken thumb please that is insane to me for me overtime um dad this is i almost put this in my like let's play nice section but i decided to talk about the tackles instead another week of playing a very aggressive very opportunistic defense it seems like this is the only kind of defense we play these days um the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, led by Todd Bowles, are the they blitz at the third highest rate in the league at 38.3% per pro football reference. Uh, last week, we played the second highest. The week before, we played the sixth highest. Um, okay, are- so last week was the second. I wasn't. I was like, are we going through like one video game boss to the next? Reach one's yeah, a little bit tougher than the previous. Even more. I mean, we played the Vikings in a couple weeks, and they're first. So, or we played the Vikings. <laughs> no, yeah, two weeks, two weeks. And and they're number one. So we're just going to keep playing these heavy blitz teams. Uh, like I said, though, third highest blitz rate. They're also very opportunistic. They are 11th in percentage of opponent drives ending in turnovers at 13.3%. Um, they only pressure passers on 19.2% of dropbacks per pro football reference, which is 28th in the league. It's not very many. But they are tied for 10th total sacks in the league uh, per pro football reference. So they've been finishing those pressures at a good rate. Now, whether that's because they're dialing up a lot of free blitzers, so they're converting those at a high rate, or if it kind of, you know, is a sign of maybe an unsustainable number of sacks, kind of unclear. But, you know, I just figured I'd throw that in. But yeah, another week of a team that loves to send extra rushers and loves to just blitz and blitz and blitz. And, you know, we'll see how they handle it this time. Um, and then the other thing I had to talk about, is there anything you wanted to mention about aggressive defenses, Dad? Don't you just love getting well, blitzed every Well, it's just kind of... One thing I was thinking about this, like, okay, so they're they're sending a lot of extra rushers, but their pressure rate's not that high. This might be why they're getting sending torched downfield. Oh, I was going to thought you said this is why they're sending extra rushers. <laughs> well, that too. They're really sending extra rushers, are, but they're sending extra rushers and still not getting home. No wonder teams are p- completing a lot of passes downfield on them. Yeah, but they're still getting a decent number of sacks, so that is something to. But they're keep converting in mind. those pressures to sacks at a high rate. Yeah. Um, and then the second thing I wanted to mention is, you know, Baker Mayfield. Um, I think when you take into the context, the expectations for him this year is having a very good year. When you think about like in the off season, he was supposed to be in a camp battle for the starting spot with Kyle Trask. And now he is 14th in EPA per play, um, according to RBSDM, uh, only 21st in success rate and 21st in completion percentage over expectations. So not great in those, but you know, still better than competing for a job against someone who's never started. And then he's 20th in PFF grade amongst quarterbacks with at least 50% of snaps. I just want to, you know, shout out that he's playing pretty well this year and much yeah, better I, than I think anyone. Back. I like, think he was getting, on, go ahead. Sorry. I think he's get, got more disrespect than he had deserved by, in a lot of uh, conversations that uh, he's able to make plays. And this is kind of what I expected out of him. Actually. I didn't expect him the whole, like, Kyle Trask competition thing is like, what are they doing? Yeah, no, that that did always feel a little bit like, really? Like, we've seen Baker Mayfield, like, he hasn't always been great, but 
he's at least a like an NFL quarterback. Like he was the first overall pick for a reason. We know he's dealt with injuries yeah. and and I think actually Cleveland did him a little things. dirty and like running him out oh, there yes. when he was hurt. Yeah, but not that he not like he played particularly well for the Panthers either. So although seen seems like no one can play particularly <laughs> well for the Panthers. So maybe that was not his fault because he did come in and, and play decent for the Rams. Um, but dad, anything else you wanted to talk about or should we move on to the bottom line? I think I've gotten through, gotten through all my notes I had already so up to here. Okay. Well, let's move on to the bottom line. Dad, the Buccaneers win if blank. Well, it's, this it, is like some, some really low hanging fruit and you're like, really, this is where you go. Love has another multi-turnover game. Why don't you still say the Bucks win if they score more points than the Packers? I know, right? That was like when I oh, I had something similar to that the other day when I was like, uh, they win if, oh goodness, I can't remember. It was something very similar where it was like, yeah, like, no duh. Okay, cool. Like, yeah, that makes sense. For me, I said that the Buccaneers win if the Packers can't run the ball at all and they're stuck in like a lot of those third and longs. Um I know we talked about the Buccaneers run defense isn't what it used to be. I'm still a little scarred from having to watch this previously and watch them completely clamp our entire run defense for multiple games. So I'll believe that we can run the ball against them when I see it, especially given the fact that we're not going to have any really any running backs apparently in this game. We don't even have to go back when um, Tampa Bay had an elite run defense to find a game where we couldn't run the ball when we thought we could even. It's like, oh, this is our get-right game for our offense. Rushing the ball against what? Are, who are Denver Raiders? Yeah. Nope, True. nope. I, I, that's a fair point. Um, and then, Dad, other side of things, Packers win if blank. I think if they get like, if they sack uh, Baker four times or more, and I don't think it maybe has to be that high for them to win. Maybe if they get, because and one thing that I did mention before is that Baker Mayfield is tied for fifth in the league according to PFF, in sacks that were his fault with nine. Ooh, that's uh, quite a few, to be honest. That That's higher yeah, than I so would expect. so hopefully he could throw a couple of those our way. Because I think if he gets sacked too much, I think they're just, they're, they won't be able to do much on enough on offense. Yeah, and for me, I said the Packers win if they win the turnover battle. So it's kind of the opposite of what you had. I think if the Packers can get that extra possession, it should be enough for them to win. This year... The Packers defense has not been very good at forcing turnovers or limiting explosive plays or limiting success rate. Pretty much most of the things they've only been really good at the red zone, I guess is pretty much all they've been good at. But anyway, if they force more turnovers than the Buccaneers do in this game, I think they win. Um, Dad, let's wrap things up here. Score prediction. What do you got? So I have the Packers winning. I'm sticking with the Packers. It's in Green Bay. I don't think Tampa's really that good of a team. Um, so I have the Packers winning 27-17. Famous last words, Dad. I'm going to clip this. I'm going to clip this. Um, so we've lost to bad teams in the past. I still, think they're not, I still think they're bad. I, I Do you think at all? So the Packers have beaten good teams and lost to some pretty bad teams. <laughs> we had this conversation. The Chameleon like Packers? They, they're the, the doppelgangers. Like they're the, oh, I'm going to just, you know copy whoever i'm looking at yeah we just copy their moves and yeah no it eh. we need to when we talk about oh, we're we thought we were set up with a good uh slate of teams to play no, to yeah. the end of the season but they're all bad we That's need to play the, the good teams we need to play some good teams so we can play a little better because right now we've been playing down to competition a lot and then playing up to competition which you like to see them playing up to competition at least i guess um 
For me, though, I took Packers 20 and then Buccaneers 14. Uh, I think it's going to be... Going for a little lower scoring? I think it's going to be like a one-score game, like coming down to the end, and it's going to be a real clencher, I think, for the Packers. I think I'm... I am, so who do you have with the ball last? Do you have the Packers are up 20 to 14 and Tampa has the ball and we get the stop? Or do you uh, have the I'm Packers assuming- are... De- the Packers are down 14-13, and they get a late touchdown to win. So I, I think the Packers can get a stop if the opponent needs a touchdown. If the opponent needs a field goal, they're not getting a stop. It's just I've never seen it happen, so I can't assume it's going to happen. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll they, say— They play—when they're up by less three or less, they play prevent like yes. it's— Like they need a touchdown and there's 20 seconds left. Yes. Yep. So the, the the Chiefs game was a perfect set. They were—they had no timeouts left, and they had like— 30 yeah. seconds, and they had to get a touchdown. That's when you play that kind of defense. Yep. and then, But they play that kind of defense every time. So they just have to wait for that defensive plan to run into the right situation. Exactly. They, they need to get a little lucky at those end-of-game scenarios, I think. Um, I would say, though, you know, Packers have the ball at the end. They kneel it out. I'm going to go with I'm not going to go with, like, knock down a Hail Mary. Ooh, we're going to go four-minute four, four offense or whatever it is to uh, run out the clock. Hey, why not? Um, but, yeah. So exciting for this one. Hoping for the best. Oh, and one other thing, just wanted to check this. Uh, per the New York Times win probability model, if the Packers win this game, they go from a 50% chance of making the playoffs to a 67% chance of making the playoffs. So 17% point swing if they win. And then if they end up losing, it's down to about 25%. But if they do win out after that, it's still up around 95%. So they do really just need to go 3-1, and one, but this game would go a long way to helping with that. Anyway, thank you so much for listening. Dad, anything you want to add on that? Sorry, you look like you're about to say something. Oh, no, I was just wincing at the thought of uh, what we need to do and the chance, the possibilities of something going wrong. Just, yeah, it's not, I don't like feel, it. Doesn't feel great, does it? Um, no. But anyway, thank you so much for listening, everyone. Once again, if you like what you heard here today, come give us a follow on Twitter at Father Son Packer. We tweet out articles that we find interesting, uh, pieces of stats that we find when we're researching for these episodes. Uh, News that we find interesting when we have new episodes out. Uh, pretty much one-stop shopping for everything Titletown. So come give us a follow there. Once again, that's at Father Son Packer. And then subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. We even put all our episodes out on YouTube, so you can subscribe to us there. It would really help our numbers for algorithm purposes. We will be coming with you, coming to you with, rather... Uh, two episodes a week for the rest of the season, a uh, pregame and a postgame for every single uh, every single game. And then during the offseason, we'll be doing an episode a week talking about free agency, the draft, how we felt like the season went, et cetera, et cetera, all the way through training camp until the season starts again. And then we'll be doing two episodes again every week. But anyway, once again, thank you so much for listening. And until next time, Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.